Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Last week, we went down memory lane with Richard Pittman in Lambourne. Well, today we are at the home of racing, via Zoom, of course, with Ilka Gansera Levesque, the German trainer, the former apprentice jockey, who is also a practicing vet. I talked to Ilka about her international journey which included a spell working with the world-famous horse whisperer Monty Roberts in California, wins in her first two races as a trainer, and her connection with a Hollywood blockbuster movie. Take a listen to Ilka's drive and passion to become a successful top-level trainer. Enjoy today's podcast. Hello, Ilka. Welcome to the paddock and the pavilion. Hi, Stephen. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Well, thank you very much for coming on. How are you? Good. Hanging in there. Weathering the storm of COVID, I guess. But no, the weather is getting better. The days are getting longer. It's happy days now. We're, we're over the worst. What has it been like training for the last 12 months during the pandemic? Oh, I think we're, us in racing, we've been so lucky that our day-to-day routine hasn't changed very much. Of course, when it was the first lockdown and we couldn't go racing, that was a bummer, but like we're we're lucky that we got to stay in a routine because not just horses like routines, like the humans do too. So I think we're very fortunate that we have an outside job. We're in the fresh air. Things in that respect, in that regard, haven't changed very much. Now let's just hope that the fans can come back to the races and the owners. Yeah, here, here to that. Have you been doing any homeschooling though? Oh, homeschooling, yes. But <laughs> we're very, very lucky my our daughter's 10 already and she loves going to school so it's it's sad for the kids that enjoy going to school and i feel really bad for all kids that you know haven't been able to see their friends and do their usual stuff because like she's she's active she plays tennis she does gymnastics all those things you you know they can't do that but she she loves school and 
and I mean, it's, it's like people with smaller children or more, more than one child when you're like having to tear, you know, you can't do everything at once, but with her, she's so self-motivated, you know, her alarm clock rings at five in the morning. She goes down, she mucks out her pony. She does everything. Like she's just, she loves to learn. So uh, we can't complain about that. But I think like that whole, when you think about it, like, you know, to, she has a she has a good hair she has a dog she has a pony we're on the hamilton road in the in the fresh air there's other kids you know they live in the city that's not good you know like they're the victims of it all i guess sounds like she's a chip off the old block like you with uh, horses and and studying i think she takes it a little bit the horses for granted but uh, yeah she she's pretty uh, driven and ambitious and a hard worker but she has to be well before we chat about your very international journey. Um, you're a, a qualified vet. Is that advantageous being a racehorse trainer with those skills? Yeah, I think the more, I mean, knowledge is power. So the more you know, the better it is. Of course, uh, parts of training racehorses, um, I don't know, Henry Cecil said it was an art or whatever, but, um, you know, knowledge is the key. So if you're always like, up to date on the newest developments of medicine and what there is, it, you know, can only be a, a good thing. I mean, does it allow you to spot when a horse is close to an injury or picking up an injury with your knowledge? Yeah, but I think any good trainer, you know, they have the schooled eye. Maybe just because they don't have a degree doesn't mean that they can't see something like that if you've been doing it long enough. But um, yeah, definitely. But, you know, tr these racehorses are professional athletes so like the, the there's always a fine line bef between fit and broken so um injuries happen in any sport you know if you're going to go to the olympics in rowing or whatever like you know you have to push push the boundaries and when you're doing that it you know it's not always avoidable well if we can take take you back to your childhood we haven't got to go back too far um, <laughs> um how did you get into the the horsey sort of bug. I mean, your your mum was, I think, was into dressage, but your father was a, a fighter pilot. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have my pony um, already at the same age that my daughter got one, but because we moved a lot around a lot from between Germany and the U.S. every three years, so a little bit different than her. But yeah, through my my parents were both racing fans, so we would go as a family to the races on a Sunday. And, you know, my mom was horsey, so I kind of had that already. I don't know. I just, ever since I was, ever since we went racing, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And you moved about a bit because of your father's job. Is that right? Yeah, he was a fighter pilot in the German Air Force, and he flew Starfighters, um, F-104s. So um, they do a lot of their training in, in Arizona, like over the desert. And he then ended up also being an instructor pilot for the Air Force. So um it was always back and forth, three years here, three years, I mean, three years Germany, three years America. Then later on, we also lived in California for a while. And I had a tip from one of my friends who knows you well, that your father was involved in the Tom Cruise film Top Gun. Yeah, he was one of the, he flew, we watched it the other day, that was funny, we were doing movie night, and I thought, here, watch your granddad in the in the so there's certain shots if you really anything that has a f-104 on there anytime it's a starfighter if you see one come in and out that's part of it and then certain flying scenes um he's flying either the cameraman or doing some of the maneuvers but the, 
they mix the planes around quite a bit. So they, there's certain ones, it's like, oh, that's him over there. So it really wasn't Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer up there then, no? No, they were probably in the simulator. <laughs> anyway, when did you first have a, a pony? How old were you? Twelve. I got an Arabian. And when did you uh, realise that you wanted to be a jockey? Five, I think. Kindergarten oh, age. Oh, as young as that, yeah? Yeah. Um, and um, when did you start as an apprentice jockey? And Can you remember your first ride? Fifteen. Yeah, my first ride. Yeah, I know the name of the filly. It's a German name. It was in Germany anyway, yeah. Yeah. And then a, the a first winner's name was Swatch, Swatch Association. I don't really know what that means, but yeah, like Swatch, like the watch. Um, and your life seems to be moving about all the time. And a chance encounter with, a, with the famous Monty Roberts then, then led you to move to America. How did that come about? Yeah, he was over in Germany when uh, that's, which was a stallion for a long time, Lomitas. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was the derby favorite and he wouldn't load into the gates. So he came over and he worked with that horse. And then I ran into him at Baden-Baden. I was racing at Baden-Baden and I just started talking to him. And, and then he said, if you can teach me some German, I'll teach you everything I know about horses. And then I said, deal, that's a deal. So we shook hands. And then a few months later, I was on the plane to California. And I spent a year at Flag is Up Farm in Solvang, California. So a little bit north of Santa Barbara, very beautiful area. That must have been a fantastic opportunity working with him. Yeah, it was great. It was just like riding all day long. Um, we'd be, get sent like either horses to break, remedial horses, any kind of breed really, but mainly that most of the time it was um, thoroughbreds. But sometimes you'd get a bucker or some kind of, I don't know, Icelandic pony or something, uh, some remedial horse with some issue. But it was, um, it's basically set up as a training and breeding, you know, farm. Now he does a lot of the, I mean, I, I, I haven't been back in ages, but now it's more like um, you do courses there, I guess. But I was there when he wrote his first book. So it's a long time ago. And then you came back to Germany to finish your apprenticeship. And then you went back to America to work with, with trainers again. Yeah, then I worked uh, mainly the New York circuit, so Belmont, Saratoga, did the winters in Florida, did one winter in um, New Orleans, fairgrounds, and the spring in Kentucky. And, you know, summer times were Saratoga, upstate New York. It's and my favorite you, track. Were you still riding when you were out there as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was riding. And um, then uh, after a while, I was um, like assistant trainer. And, uh, but always writing also in the mornings, always writing work in the mornings. And you must have got to see some major races when you were out there as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, everything, yeah. And then you decided another change to come back to Germany to, to be a vet. Um, how did that come about? I don't know. It was like 9-11 in that whole um, mess in New York. I don't know. I just thought... I want to do something with my life and, and do something, give something back to the horses. And then I like looked into ways uh, of getting, you know, trying to get into vet schools, whatever degrees I needed. Cause I left school so young. I started my apprenticeship when I was like 15 and a half. So I had to get some credits and, you know, get some degree, you know, stuff to be able to be eligible to get into vet school. So then I found, you know, I figured out how I had to do it, what, how to go about it. And then I, um, got accepted into the vet school of Hanover. And of course, long... I had to get the good, 
the good grades for that. So, yeah. How long does it take to qualify to be a vet? It's the same as over here. What is it? It's five, six years. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the school thing is different. I never get this here with the A levels, O levels, GCSE. You know, it's a little bit different. The you know the before you go into university in Germany, the school, but um, but then like vet school is vet school. Yeah. And during during that time in two thousand and eight, you met your husband Stefan, and uh, that resulted in you eventually moving to Newmarket. Yeah, we Stefan and I we met in Dubai. I did an um, internship or externship at the um, Dubai Equine Hospital. And he was working for Godolphin at the time. And because racing is such a small world or the world is small anyway, but like we had mutual friends, which was pretty funny. Some, um, one of his very best friend that um, worked in New York at the time was, I was friends with him. He was Stefan's best friend. So he was like, oh, when you're in Dubai, you need to, um, you know, this guy will show you around just like that. That's how it all started, all innocent. And um, then um, he couldn't get rid of me afterwards. So, and then he would, so he was working for Godolphin at the time. And that was six months Dubai, six months Newmarket. And then I was like, well, I'll come in. When, once I graduated, I got a job at Rossdale's Equine Hospital. And because um, there was no point in making Stefan move to Germany or wherever. So it was just... I got uh, traveling in my blood, so didn't just packed up, came here. And had you been to Newmarket before? No, never. Yeah, then, it was a bit of a culture shock, but I mean, not Newmarket itself, but being used to uh, growing up in America is, is still different. England is a little bit different, yeah. And then you change course again to become a racehorse trainer. How, how no, I already wanted to. I already had that plan that I was I was going to do that whether I met Stefan or not or Newmarket or not. I had it already all planned while I was in vet school what that I was going to get my trainer's license out once I finished. So right. that was um that wasn't um, to do with Newmarket really. It was just a matter of I wanted to learn more, get more under my belt. I mean, who knows? Maybe I would if I wouldn't have met Stefan. I was actually working at a hospital in Munich, Equine Hospital in Munich. And I really enjoyed working there. It was a great team and a great boss. So maybe I would, maybe I just would have stuck there. But I always had that. I'd already looked into getting a license in Germany because right. once that it's that's racing for you. Like once that's in your blood, that's in your blood. That's like COVID positive. <laughs> once you've had it, you can't get rid of that virus. And then in Newmarket, you started by renting in 2012. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we rented a few boxes, had one horse, two horses, three horses, just really started from the bottom up. But you made a, a fabulous start. I mean, your first two horses won both, both their first races. Yeah, one, one first time out in Germany in a big sales race, and then the other one won six days later or something like that um, uh, at Lingfield. Yeah, this is Tosca. Uh, a yeah, she won the sales race, yeah. You, you purchased this this filly at, at the sales yourself yeah yeah exactly we put, we bought her as a yearling at the german sales and then we were gonna we were gonna pin hook her and sell her at the breeze up sales but then we really really liked her and i was like well we can do this we'll do this ourselves we'll keep her for that sales race and then she she that was her first you know that was her debut and my debut as a trainer was pretty nice yeah it must have been special winning a race in germany for you as well yeah and a big and a big prize pot and the other horse was Tiger Cub, who won at um, Lingfield. Yeah, just a little handicap, yeah. 
And I read that in 2013, you made your first winner at Newmarket with Joe Sugden at 80 to 1, I see. Yeah, we've had some big price winners. Most of my horses always go off with big odds. Yeah, he, that was a special horse. That was a very special horse in my heart, yeah. And then in May 2015, you purchased uh, a new yard on the Hamilton Road at, at Newmarket, which was previously called Seven Springs. Yeah, exactly. Um, that Bill O'Gorman built this yard in um, 1990. And I think when he first purchased the land, it was like two, two plots of land. So he, uh, when he built it, he built it so he could split it easily. And um, he, when he put it on the market, this where we are now is what, what his main yard was. So we live above the yard and he kept the other side. He has the mansion. Oh, is that why the name got changed? Is he... Um, well, the BHA said right away, I didn't know anything like that. We just bought it. And it was, so it was all seven springs. And then the, the BHA said, um, well, what are you going to name it? What, we need a name. We need a name. And I said, oh my goodness. Like, this is like, you know, naming your child. Like, give me a few days to sort it out. And then we couldn't, and I said to Bill, what the hell am I going to name this place? Because I like seven springs. And then um, he said, well, if you want to stay with the water theme, and I didn't, and I said, what, and I said, yeah, what are those seven springs? I thought it was something out of the Bible because he goes to church like every day. And he said, no, the seven springs are right along there, like pointed towards the A14 in those woods. And the main well of the seven springs is St. Wendred's well, named after St. Wendred's, who was actually a, a woman, Wendrida. And she was the sister of Ethel Drea, the woman that built um, uh, Ely Cathedral. So I was like, bingo, that's the name you, we want to give it. Well, I'm glad you, you said a, a bit about her because um, I live here in March in Cambridgeshire and um, the only church that is dedicated to, to St. Wind readers is here in March in Cambridgeshire. Yeah, and I've never gone and we always want to go. Are, are her legs in there or what do you call that? The tomb is in there? No, I, I don't think that's in there, but um, she's associated. Um, I was looking this up this afternoon with March, Ely, and Exning. And there's some carved angels in the roof at the church. But uh, such a coincidence that I'm here in I March. I went there once and the training. church was locked. I was like, let me in there, man. Like, because we wanted to check it out. Yeah, you must but come over and have a look. You must come yeah, over definitely. and have a look now. Yeah, but so the Seven Springs do exist. And that, that was actually, um, the Romans even hung out in the... Well, if you ever, you should come to the yard and then I'll give you a tour of the yard and the springs. But it's a little bit higher, so they had a good, you know, viewpoint of the whole heath. And there's water there from those seven springs. And of course, then legend has it that Wendrida healed um, animals and people with those, with the water of those seven springs. And I was like, this is the greatest name ever. Yeah, I read that she was a healer. Yeah. But it must have been financially challenging when you first purchased the yard. Well, well, Debbie was there for all that. Uh, our, our mutual friend, Debbie Nichols, was there during the times when talking to the bank, how are we going to do this, how you did, when you're figuring that out. I mean, it's like, um, I guess it's any time you're buying, you're getting on the housing ladder or something. It's pretty exciting times. Um, and how many boxes have you got there? So we have 30 boxes. It's, it's built as a square. That's what we have. Our own trotting ring, a menage. We have a 13-acre a, a field during the summers right across the street from us that we lease from the jockey club, but we also have a paddock on site as well. 
and then we have the opportunity to swim horses right on the Hamilton Road. There's a public pool. So we have everything right on our doorstep. It's great. And what's it been like training in Newmarket? Is, is Stefan the assistant trainer? On the paper, yeah. He's um, yeah. down as the assistant trainer, but we do everything together and we um, always see eye to eye on the training part. Sometimes other things we fight about, but I think uh, when, it, when, it has, uh, when it has something to do with horses, we can read each other's minds and, and it, you know, we're, we're a team. It's a teamwork. It's a teamwork regardless of anyway like you can't unless you only have one horse you know as soon as you start having a couple more horses it you got to have a good team around you i mean you obviously love your job but has it been tough you know training in in new market i guess um racing is tough period but this is like i love i love this um i mean you don't love it when you're not winning or something like that and there's always tough times but it's my life I mean, yeah, it's hard sometimes in the winter when the weather is bad or whatever like that. But. Would Tos- Tosca's victory be your best result so far? The biggest prize winner we've... Well, no, we've had a listed... Yeah, she she made the most money because, you know, that's a sales race. The, the prize money is as good as a black type race, but it wasn't a black type race. So we've had a third in a, in a listed race and a fifth in a group one. And is Which it is your, not like winning. No, but is it your aim to have, have more horses at uh, St. Wind Readers? Yeah, of course. It's, uh, it's all about more, more horses and, um, and, you know, better being able to um, participate at the top level as well. And you've also set up a racing club, you were, you were saying before. Yeah, we just launched a racing club called uh, Vantage Point Racing. Um, we started, we put one horse in there. She's going to be, she's our hurdler and she's also going to go, um, run in a, um, handicap chase soon. Novice handicap chase. Just once is her name. There'll be more horses in that club pretty soon as well. So is this for like syndicate ownership? Yeah. So there, there's three different forms of ownership or there's sole ownership, partnerships, syndicates, and racing clubs. And in a racing club, it's, I don't know. There could be as many. It's not limited in numbers of people that can join. It's basically like a club. So it's like twenty pounds a month. The the club members don't have any equity in the horse, but you do. Um, you know, you have race day privileges, all these things, open days, meet and greet, whatever you want to call it, stable yard visits, all those things. So there, it's a, it's you know, it's having an interest in the horse without having a leg in the horse, so to say. Well, it sounds like a good idea to get more people involved in both watching and, and following the sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, those the syndicates have really taken off. They always say over the past in England, over the past couple of years, more and more popular. And um, racing clubs is just like a racing club is just a slightly different form of it. In a syndicate, you actually, you can buy 5% in the horse or 10% or whatever. And partnerships usually... Well, there, there might be a majority partnership shareholder, but there are lesser members. And like a syndicate, you could, if, you, if it's all full of people with 5%, you could have a bunch of people. But uh, yeah, the racing club makes it affordable and you meet uh, like-minded people that have the same interests as you. So it's great. I think that's even more important now uh, after what's happened to so many people financially in the last 12 months. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, let's, we'll see tonight what he says. I, I mean, hopefully fans will be allowed back soon. So 
I mean, at least there was racing. I thought it was a really eerie time when, when there was no sports on TV, you know? I was just like, oh, my God, this isn't good. Not that we watch a lot of TV. Like, we don't, you know, but, like, you always have the racing on in the background and stuff. Mm. And just, like, not to have any sports, that was the strangest feeling. You, you just knew something wasn't right. Because they even raced during the Second World War here. Every, you know, but, and it's just like, wow, now they don't even race in Newmarket. But at least we're back up racing and, and it'll get better now. And I read you've made some comments, which a lot of other people have made, about the uh, state of prize money in this country compared to other countries. Compared to all other countries, yeah. I mean, maybe Germany not, but... I mean, have, have you considered having horses run in France, although it must be very difficult at the moment to do that? Yeah, we've, we've always had runners over there. It's made it, yeah, Brexit's made it that little bit more um, admin and um, a little bit more, you know, to get all the paperwork ready. It's doable. It's not ideal, but you can, you just have to jump through a couple more hoops. It makes it a slightly more expensive because you got to have so much stuff in place. Before that was pretty simple, you know, you just loaded that horse up, you booked your tunnel and off you went. But what can you do? We'll get through it as well. So, Ilka, we're on the Paddock and the Pavilion, which is a, a cricket and horse racing podcast. What do you know as a German about cricket? Zilch. Sorry. Am I offending everybody now? I'm well, German. Might- and that's my, that's my uh, excuse. I know what offsides is in, foot, in soccer, though. So. Yeah, no, we're not a football <laughs> podcast. We're a cricket podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I, can't I think just of- know that game goes on for days and I don't get it. Yeah, we can have a five-day match, which can end in a draw. That's crazy, man. Crazy. Well, that's all your American upbringing there, because they don't like draws in America, do they? (laughs) No, no, they don't like a tie, no, that's for sure. And the future, are you thinking about having more runners over the, the jumps as well? It's Stefan used to ride over the jumps, but like I was never like a big racing fan, and then this Philly kind of... um, got me into it by default i mean i rode um show jumping and stuff like that so she got she was um going into the starting stalls but not coming out even though like she she was just playing some mind games and then i said you know what you play mind games on me i'll play some mind games on you and then i started taking her jumping and then the next thing you know is she really loves it and uh, she's good at it and then yeah i got another one that's going to be ready for a, a novice hurdle I kind of like it. Like, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. You just and it's and it's also really um, interesting to see when you got horses that enjoy it and and like it. So it's good. I have a dual purpose license now. Who would have thought that? And now, every time, you know, I follow the jockey we used, Nick Schofield, when he was riding, I tell him, "Man, I can't believe this. I'm watching jump racing here." So yeah, who knows? The 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 sky's the limit. And on the flat, you obviously want to train more winners and train more quality high quality horses how many horses have you got currently at st wind readers we have um 17 in at the moment so yeah we've got some empty boxes to fill and we've got a couple of unraced three-year-olds that are ready to make their debut now so it's exciting times ahead some nice babies here as well two-year-olds and you're looking forward to the new flat turf season hopefully with some crowds yeah exactly exactly We'll see what, um, I don't know what's um, in the pipeline here or, you know, uh, what they're saying. But we'll, I guess we'll all know more tonight after that announcement. Huh? And 
What about your daughter? Is she going to finish up getting involved in the business as well? She can do whatever she, whatever makes her happy as long, you know, as long as she stays out of trouble, it will be, it would be nice, but I'm not thinking that far. Like right now it's all about getting, getting her back into, into real, into the real school. And, um, and yeah, she does a lot of music. She plays the violin, piano, uh, sings, whatever she wants to do. I think if you, fi if you find something that you love, then you'll be good at it. Then you'll never work a day in your life. You know, I mean, yeah, it's still hard work, but then you, it won't be like this nine to five thing. And to be successful in anything you do, anybody you see, you know, all those entrepreneurs, they all work like crazy. So you gotta, you gotta be passionate and obsessed about what you do to be able to work like those crazy hours. Otherwise you, you, you're never going to make it. But I told her no matter what she does, just remember, I want a private beach. So when, when I, she, she started her own little business already during the, the lockdown. Do you know about that? No, nobody told no, you. No, no. Well, I do and I don't really. Yeah. She does. It's called Elea's crafts. Well, I kind of helped her out, but she, she always liked um, doing she was in that uh, Steiner school before, like uh, Waldorf, Rudolf Steiner, Waldorf school. And um, she, so they do a lot of crafts and they're outdoors a lot. So she was doing embroidering bags by hand. And then she um, had the idea of, I don't even know how that came about, but to sell horseshoes. So she, she sells lucky horseshoes and she has an Etsy shop and she's making money. I don't pay her an allowance. She has to work for it. Oh, so she doesn't get pocket money. She actually earns no, it. No, she just, she, I, I tell her, give me some of your money. And I keep saying private beach, house with a private beach. Well, it sounds like um, your daughter, whose name is? Elia. Is following the same sort of dreams that uh, you've been doing. Thank you very much for being on the paddock and the pavilion and the best <laughs> of luck for this season. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pad. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.